1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind will be alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. If you're joining us online, be sure to click share. Of course, if you live just down the road, join us in person. Amen. Our Sunday morning series has been four things we must confess. And as we've encouraged you, when we deal with a topic like faith or prayer or confession, have the right heart, have the right attitude, don't say, well, I've heard all that. There's always something new to be learned. And the Bible also says that the little foxes spoil the vine. And many times we're not walking in the victory or the blessing that we should be, not because we've missed it on some major issue, but we've, got, we've forgotten some of the, the basics. We can always learn, we can always grow, we can always improve, we can always mature. On one of the last days of vacation, I was helping Jessica by changing one of by changing Emily's diaper. And Jessica looked at me and she started to do as, as wives do. You know, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it correctly. And I thought, you know, I, I've helped with five babies now. I'm doing everything just the way I should be doing. She said, well, why aren't you fluffing the sides of the diaper? And I thought, you know, this is new information to me. And she said, Austin, that's why the diapers leak. You got to fluff the sides. So you men, maybe this will help you this morning. <laughs> Five children, the fifth baby, and I, I never knew you're supposed to fluff the sides. Amen? We can always learn. We can always grow. We can always improve. We can always do better. Amen? And sometimes it's just the, the simple stuff that'll lead to greater blessings. We've learned that God's word is a seed. And you can change your life and circumstances in any area of life by speaking and saying what God's Word says. One of our launching scriptures has been Proverbs 18 and verse 21, which says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So our words have great power. Positive or negative, our words have great power. In the book of James, James compares the tongue 
to the rudder on the ship. And that, that, that rudder, it can take you to a good place, a blessed place with still waters, or that rudder of negativity and a negative confession, it can, it can take you to a place of trouble. It can take you to a place where there's one storm after another. So our words have great power. And the best thing to say, the best thing to speak, what has the greatest power is the living word of God. God's power is his word. And God's word has creative power. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God literally framed the world. God literally framed the universe by speaking with his words. And in our lives, we're, we're framing our world, we're framing our lives by the words that we speak. You might say, Austin, I'm not happy with my circumstances. I'm not happy with what I see going on in my life. Well, you've got to change what you're saying. You've got to change what you're speaking. You've got to change what you're confessing. Because whether you realize it or not, positively or negatively, you're framing your world. You're framing your life with the words you speak. As we've learned in this series, according to God's word, you're everything God says you are. You're everything the word of God says you are, regardless of whether or not you're experiencing what the word says in your life and in your circumstances. So you gotta change what you're saying. You gotta change what you're confessing so you'll walk in the blessings God has for you. As we've learned, the first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ. And the second thing we must confess is where we are in Christ. And sadly, far too many believers, they don't realize, they don't know, they've not been taught where they are in Christ. They think wrongly they're in a place of defeat. They think wrongly they're in a place of failure. They think wrongly that God is leading them to trouble after trouble and problem after problem and defeat after defeat. And by doing that, that the Lord is teaching them something. Uh, that's religion. That is nonsense. To walk in victory, you have to know where you are in Christ. In this time, a lot of people are concerned about where someone might stand on this or that issue, about where someone might stand with this or that person. But the most important question is, where do you stand with God? And where do you stand with his word? To live a victorious Christian life, you must know and confess and live like where you are in Christ according to the word of God. So we're dealing with our position, our place, our standing, our authority in Christ. So where are we in Christ? We've learned that we have been crucified with Christ. Say, I have been crucified with Christ. And this, I'm not going to get sidetracked here, but if you'll read the Apostle Paul, and not just a verse here or there, but really read his epistles, you'll see that this is why we're to live a life of victory over sin. Because the old you, whoever that was, whatever you were bound by, whatever you did, that old man or old woman has been crucified with Christ. And we're no longer to live as that old man or that old woman. 
Well, there are a lot of believers, and why are they defeated? Why are they struggling? Because they're, they're trying to live the Christian life as that old man or old woman, and they don't realize that we have been crucified with Christ. Say, I have been crucified with Christ. Where are we with Christ? We died with Christ. Say, I have died with Christ. Where are we in Christ? We have been raised with him. Say, I have been raised with Christ Jesus. So praise God, we were crucified with him. We died with him. We have been buried with him. We have been raised with him. And we have been raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But there is more. Tell your neighbor, say, there is more. Tell your other neighbor, say, there is more. The Bible tells us that we have also ascended with Christ. Now, right now, if you're born again, the real you is the spirit on the inside of you. And this, this flesh, this body is simply the house we live in. But if you're born again, as we've been learning, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And yes, we're here right now, we're in this room right now, but spiritually, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And that is the place of victory. That is not the place of defeat. That, that is the place where all things are working together for your good. Say, all things are working together for my good. So we ought to be happy. We ought to be joyful. We ought to be positive. We ought to be full of faith. We ought to be saying and confessing what the Word of God says. Not what the culture is saying. Not what the media is saying. Not what social media is saying. Not what a politician or a government doctor is saying. Amen. We ought to be saying what the Word says. In Ephesians 1 and verse 21, Paul tells us that Christ has been seated. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's true of Christ, but that's also true of you, and it's true of me. You read Ephesians, you find out that we are seated there with him. It's a place of authority. It's a place of victory. It's a place of power. And this is why in our lives we have authority and dominion over the devil. In your life, you have authority and dominion over the devil. And that's why you have to take the initiative to no longer permit or tolerate any work of the enemy in your life. You got to drive the devil out. You got to drive what the devil is doing out. And what is the devil doing? Jesus explained it simply in John 10:10, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. If it's bad, it's not the Lord. If it's stealing, it's not the Lord. If it's killing, and if it's destroying, it's not the Lord. So you got to drive that out of your life and out of your circumstance and stop permitting any work of the enemy. You know, there are, there are many believers, and they're, they're convinced that living the Christian life is being kicked down the road and struggling with this and struggling with that and struggling with the same thing, the same sins, the same circumstances, year after year. But that is not the life of victory that our Heavenly Father has for us. 
And by saying what the word says, by confessing what the word says, by taking action on and being a doer of the word of God, you can rise above the circumstances of life. This past week when we were coming home at the airport, I saw some people get on a private jet, but I also saw them take on five dogs on their private jet. And I thought, how interesting. People don't even realize there are cats and dogs living at a level higher than they are. You can rise above the circumstances, whatever they are. You can rise above the circumstances. And you can go to new levels in every single area of life. Don't let someone tell you you can't. Don't let this world or culture tell you that because of this reason or that reason or because of the, the color of your skin or because you don't have this degree or that degree, you can't. In Christ, you can do all things. With God, all things are possible. And you can live a life of victory. You can rise above the circumstances, whatever they may be. Ephesians 2, verse 4, beginning in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he has made us alive. So, so we're alive. We're not dead. We're alive. And that's why we ought to be happy and we ought to be joyful. He has made us alive in Christ, even when we are dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him, with the Father. That's with the Father. In the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. So we have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised together with him, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms with the Father in Christ Jesus. That's the place of victory. That's the place of authority. That's the place of dominion. That's the place of walking in the blessing and the favor of the Lord. So don't accept defeat another day of your life. Stop accepting those circumstances whatever they may be. You know, there's so much in our culture that is geared toward defeat. And you meet people now, and before they even tell you their name, they tell you that they have this or that, they have this or that syndrome, that they tell you what all their problems are. You've got to choose to no longer live that way. You've got to choose to stop accepting the circumstances, whatever they may be. You got to get rid of all the negative things that anyone ever said to you. Could be mom, it could be dad, it could be a teacher. Got to get rid of all the negative labels somebody ever labeled you with. Stop accepting it. Stop accepting defeat. Stop letting circumstances dictate your life. We are seated with him. With who? With Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, in the place of dominion, authority, and power. So praise God, we're no longer limited by life's circumstances. We're in the place far above all rule and authority, dominion, and power. And as we've learned, our fight, our fight is not against people. A lot of believers think that they're to be fighting the devil. Sometimes you'll see that somebody's got on the back of their car or the back of their truck a picture of Jesus arm wrestling the devil. Jesus has defeated the devil. We are to resist the devil, and the Bible says we resist him, and he flees. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He is not 
a roaring lion. So where does all this confusion in the world come from? It comes from the devil, because he's an imitator. He is a poser. He prowls around like a roaring lion. So we have the victory in Christ Jesus. Say, I have the victory. But the issue is we're to walk in the victory we already have. And a lot of people think and they say, they believe, they think, they say, they're defeated, they're struggling, it's hard, it's difficult, and they fail to realize where they are in Christ. Because we were crucified with him, we died with him, we were buried with him, we have been raised to a new life with him, we have, been, we have ascended with him, and right now you or I, in the spirit, we are seated with him at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority, dominion, and power. And that's how we can be happy. That's how we can be joyful. That's how we can walk in the victory of Almighty God. So we, we don't go into the fight, whatever it is, trying to find out who the winner is. You and I, we are the winner in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm a winner. Say, I'm a victor. The battle, the victory has already been won. In our lives, and our circumstances, we are to enforce the victory that has already been won. The battle has been won. We're not fighting to win the battle. We, we fight the good fight of faith to enforce the victory that has already been won. Say, I'm a winner. Say, I'm a victor in Christ Jesus. So you have to develop a new vision for who you are. And you have to develop a new vision based on the word of God of who God says you are. You have to develop a new vision of where you are in Christ. You've got to see yourself as a winner. You've got to see yourself at the top, not the bottom. You've got to see yourself as the head and not the tail. Say, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Say, I have the victory in Christ Jesus. Now, how are we victorious over Satan? Turn over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. One of the things that we have done since the beginning at Faith Christian Center is we have a daily Bible reading. And you can get access to that on the app or through the website. I was going to say the church bulletin, but it has been a long time since we had a church bulletin. Amen. Yeah, I remember the days you take your church bulletin to Coulter's and get a special. Amen. I don't think they've taken that advertisement down over there. But we, we've done the daily Bible reading since nearly the beginning. But one benefit of doing the daily Bible reading, as you read through the Bible, it'll do away with a lot of wrong ideas that you have because of religion, because of upbringing. People believe a lot of things that are wrong and unbiblical, and just reading through the Bible will fix nearly just about everything. If you'll do it, if you'll be faithful in it and do it honestly, amen? Luke 10, verse 17, the 72. So, so notice we're not talking about the 12. You go to certain places, you go to certain schools, you go to certain churches. They'll have you believe that God only did miracles with the 12 when the 12 around, were around and when the, the last of the 12 suffered martyrdom, that, that was it. No more miracles, no more anything special. Well, when people believe that, it tells me they haven't even read the Gospels. Not only have they not gotten to the book of Acts, they haven't even read 
the Gospels. So notice Luke 10, verse 17, not the 12. Tell your neighbors, say, not the 12. The se- tell your other neighbors, say, the 72. So Jesus had the 12, and they, they were a class unto themselves. Don't have time to get into that. Then amongst the 12, he had the three that were closest, Peter, James, and John. But beyond that, there were the 72, and then there was the crowd. So Luke 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy. Say, with joy. joy. Tell your neighbor, say, with joy. joy. Tell your other neighbor, say, with joy. joy. So not defeated, not getting their backside kicked by the devil, not, not struggling one problem after another. The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And if you'll read Luke 10, you'll see that just like Jesus sent out the 12 to heal the sick and to cast out devils, Jesus also sent out the 72 to heal the sick and to cast out devils. Again, just reading through the Bible, honestly, it'll fix a lot of the wrong ideas and the wrong religious concepts that people have. So these 72, they were not even born again. Jesus had not yet died. He had not been, yet been buried. He had not been raised from the dead. These 72 were not even born again. These 72 were not even filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus had not yet been crucified. He had not yet died. He had not yet been buried. He had not yet been raised from the dead. Pentecost had not yet come. These were 72 natural men who were disciples. And Jesus sent them out with authority. And he told them, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. And the 72, like the 12, they went out, they healed the sick, they raised the dead, and they cast out devils. And they they returned and they said to Jesus with joy, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So the 72 did that, not just the 12. So how much authority then should you and I have when we are born again? How much authority then should you and I have when we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit? If Jesus could send out 72 natural men before his death, burial, and resurrection, if Jesus could send out 72 natural men who were not born again, who were not filled with the Spirit, just send them out with authority, and they could get positive results powerful results, then what is our excuse? And what can we do as men and women who are born again and who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, all all things are possible. We have his authority. We have his name. We're the sons and daughters of God. We have his spirit. So there are no excuses. Amen. All things are possible. We just have to know how to use the authority that he has delegated to us. Tell your neighbor, say, you have authority. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have authority. And we have authority over our lives and over our circumstances. And so if the devil's up to something and it's been going on, going on, going on, we're responsible because we have permitted it. We have allowed it. And what you have to do is drive the devil out of your life and of your circumstances. And we do that with the authority we have in Christ. Look at verse 18, Luke 10, verse 18. 
Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. Say authority. authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all. Say all. all. So, so you got to, again, renew your mind to the word of God. Not some things. And this is why you got to read the word to find out what the will of God is. Because a lot of believers, they're, they're defeated before they even pray. They're defeated before the battle even begins because they're uncertain of what is and what is not God's will. We know his will by his word. And again, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, that is not the Lord, that is not God, that is the devil. If it's sickness, if it's disease, if it's infirmity, that's not the Lord, that is the devil. But if, if you don't know whether it's the devil or God, you're defeated before you even pray. You're defeated before the fight ever begins. So you got to know. I have given you authority. Say authority. authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. All. Say all. all. Say, say it again. Say all. all. So not, not some things. All. Nothing will harm you. Say nothing will harm me. Now the last year, and I'm not talking about you. So tell your neighbor, say he's not talking about you. Tell your other neighbor, say, he's not talking about you, because you're here, amen. You know, I saw while we were out of town that one week there was somebody watching in Ireland, one week there was somebody watching in Thailand. I'm not talking, if you're watching from Ireland, God bless you, I'm not talking about you, amen. But if you're 20 minutes away in your PJs this morning, I am talking about you. We, we have seen in the past year the extent to which people believe or don't believe the word of God. Because Jesus said, nothing will harm me. Say, say nothing will harm me. Say, say, nothing will harm me. Say it again, say, nothing will harm me. But see, do we really believe that? Do we really talk like that? Do we really think like that? Do we really act like that? Say it again, say, nothing will harm me. So this is how we defeat the enemy. Jesus has delegated his authority to us to overcome all the power of the enemy. What does Jesus say? Nothing will harm you. Say nothing. nothing. Say this. Say nothing will harm me. Say nothing will harm my family. Say nothing will harm my church family. So if that's true, and it is because that's what God's word says, we've got to act like it. We've got to talk like it. We've got to live like it. Amen. We've got to walk like it. Jesus said, I've given you authority. And the word for authority is exousia, which means right, privilege, and authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, not literally snakes, not literal scorpions. It's a reference to Satan and demons, the works of the enemy, to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power. The word for power is dunamis, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Authority trumps power. This is why as Christians, we're not to be afraid of the devil. This is why as Christians, we're not to be afraid of those that serve the devil. You know, if somebody somewhere has a little voodoo doll of Austin that they're, they're sticking pins in right now, that has nothing to do with me because the authority that I have in Christ trumps the power of Satan. Authority trumps power every single time.
So it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter how great the circumstance is. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. Authority trumps power every single time. And that's why you and I in Christ Jesus have authority over every work of the enemy. That's why Smith Wigglesworth once said that he can get more out of believing God for a minute than shouting at God all night. See, some people think that by, by physical exertion, there's greater power. Once you realize what the Bible says, you don't have to do that anymore because in Christ Jesus, we have authority. And that's why you see in the word of God, some of the most powerful faith-filled prayers were short prayers. So you, you can pray short faith-filled prayers when you know who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, and the authority that you have in Christ. Say, I have authority over all the works of the enemy. Say, nothing will harm me. So this, whatever the circumstance, whatever the prayer request, this makes you a winner. This makes you a victor in Christ Jesus. So don't see things through your own eyes. See the circumstance. See the situation the way God sees it. See yourself the way God sees you. Our Heavenly Father sees us as faith giants in Christ Jesus. And in our lives, we ought to all confess Luke 10 and verse 19 daily. Let's do that. Say, I have been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Say, nothing will harm me. I shared before the message, how while we were out of town, a wonderful lady in the church messaged and said that her job was being threatened by her employer if she refused to be vaccinated, and she had a health objection. She had the objection that, you know, it's going to take a long time to know the true side effects and whatnot. She had a faith-based objection. And again, this all get challenged in court, but that takes months, that takes years, you know, we're, we're waiting on Governor Abbott to do something about this. And so I encouraged her, amen. But as I shared before the message, she and her husband put their faith and trust in God. And she got blessed with a better job, with better pay, and a, and a better situation in every single way. So it doesn't matter what Satan's doing. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are, amen. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. And so it doesn't matter if Satan says, I'm going to put this on you. I'm going to put that on you. It doesn't matter if some worldly boss says, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to let you go. Say, nothing will harm me. Say, nothing will harm my family. Say, nothing will harm my church family. Say, I have been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Say nothing will harm me. Well, if you believe it, you got to live like it. You got to act like it. You know, I was so grieved when we were on vacation. We were on the beach with our family. And you, you see people. I assume they're from the Northeast. And if you're watching from the Northeast full of faith, then I'm not counting you. Amen. But we'd be on the beach and we'd see a family walking down the beach. And literally, they had more clothing on their face than anywhere else. You know, they have an N95 mask on their face. People are living in fear. People are living in worry. And of course, a year ago, the government and the media had us all believe that 
This virus could live on surfaces for days and days and days that you had to be careful even sitting down going to the bathroom. It's all proven to be nonsense, lies, fear-mongering, getting people full of fear, and yet people are still living in fear and worry. So you have to go by what the Word of God says. Say, nothing, nothing. will harm me. Say, nothing will harm my family. Say, nothing will harm my church family. Say, I have authority over all the power of the enemy. So if you confess this, it'll, it'll change your life. It'll change your circumstances. It'll change your outlook. And you'll excel, and you'll pull ahead in this world we're in because you're full of faith. You're not full of fear. So don't be fearful any longer. Don't live worried or intimidated any longer. Live bold and live full of faith. Say, I'm a winner and I'm a victor in Christ Jesus. Say, I have ascended with Christ. And so you, literally, you, have, to, you have to close your eyes and picture yourself in the throne room of God. You have to close your eyes and picture that you are literally seated with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And you might say, Austin, that, that sounds too good to be true. And that's why about a month ago, we dealt with the grace and the righteousness of God. It, it does sound too good to be true, but it is true. And it's who we are in Christ Jesus. And these things have been freely given unto us and we ought to walk in them. We ought to live like it's so, amen? Look over at Matthew 28 and verse 18. Matthew 28 and verse 18. This is after the resurrection of Jesus, but before he ascended into heaven. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority, again, exousia, all right, all privilege, all authority, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then what did he say after that? Did Jesus say, Stay home? Did Jesus say, Do nothing? Did Jesus say, live your life in fear? Did Jesus say, wait until the government or a politician tells you it's okay to go to church? That's why, as I've said, we, we've seen in the past year what people really believe. You know, I saw in the past year people at the grocery store or people at Home Depot or Lowe's, but not in church. I saw in the past year people literally at, at St. Paul's sporting events and not in church. So see, the, the last year has brought out what people really believe in their heart. And we're known by not just what we believe, we're known by our fruit. We're known by our actions. And so what did Jesus, what commission, what assignment did he give them in Matthew 28? Jesus came to them and said, all authority, exousia, right, privilege, authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19 Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, and teaching them to do what? To obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore, go. Do what? Go. So we're, we're, we're to be active. We're to be busy for the kingdom of God. Like Jesus, like the 12, like the 72, 
like the Apostle Paul, like Apollos, like Barnabas, like Junia, like Priscilla and Aquila, we are to be busy destroying the works of the devil. That's what we're to be doing. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. And do what? Make disciples. Who, what are disciples? Disciples are followers of Jesus. That in the midst of the world, they live for God with all their heart, their soul and mind. That, that whatever the world is doing, whatever is going on in the world, they live like Christ. They walk like Christ. They act like Christ. They do the things that Jesus would do. Go and make disciples. Does the assignment in there? Does the commission in there? Go and make disciples. What does Jesus then say next? Teaching them to do what? Teaching them that life is to be hard. Teaching them that life is to be a struggle. Teaching them that God's best is to live with the same sin and to struggle with the same things year after year after year just till you can get to heaven? Is that what he said? Teach them to obey what? How many things? I know just the parts we like. I know just the parts we agree with. I know just the parts of the Bible that are culturally and politically acceptable in 2021. Is that what he said? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, this is our assignment. And once you understand this, you'll understand us a lot better. We're about making disciples and we're about teaching you to obey everything he has commanded because that's what leads to a life of victory. That's what leads to a life of blessing. Amen. So Jesus ascended into heaven after he said this. And for more than 2,000 years, he has been seated at the right hand of the Father. He has not been here on planet Earth for more than 2,000 years. So how does God accomplish anything? God accomplishes what he accomplishes through you and through me. That's why we have to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. See, a lot of times in our lives and our circumstances and this challenge and that problem and that difficulty, we're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us because Jesus has authority, but he has delegated his authority to us to use on his behalf. And so we're to use the authority that he has delegated to us to walk in the victory and the blessing of God in this life. So whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty, stop waiting on God. You take action. I said stop waiting on God. You take action. Drive the devil out. Don't permit a work of the enemy in any area of your life. You've been waiting on God. God is waiting on you. His authority has been delegated to you. So you take action. You speak. You confess. You pray. That's why John Wesley once said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody makes a request of him. So we have to do something. Tell your neighbor, say, you have to do something. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have to do something. His authority has been delegated to us. And we are to use the authority we have in Christ in our life and our circumstances. 
And you might say, well, Austin, the circumstance this, the circumstance that, the mountain this, the mountain that. Authority trumps power every single time. And authority is greater than all the power of the enemy. That's who we are in Christ. That's where we are in Christ in the place of victory, the place of dominion, the place of authority and power. Why don't we stand? Say this, I have the victory over every circumstance, over every work of the enemy. And I am not going to permit the devil or any demons or any work of the enemy to have any right, to have any place, to have any authority in my life, in my home, in my family, in my finances, in my children's lives. I'm going to drive the devil out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.